Well, a good Friday morning to you and welcome to Real Talk. I'm Ryan Jesperson. We're thrilled to have you joining us at 830 Mountain Time. In just a minute, we're going to get to Dr. Peter Silverstone, uh, chair of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Alberta and well-known Edmonton Journal columnist David Staples. They're going to hash out whether or not a lockdown or lockdown measures can actually be detrimental to your mental health. And of course, I know the conversation will go on from there. Plus, later in the broadcast, we're going to get to some really interesting subject matter with a couple of uh, counselors, a couple of folks who make mental health their business. There's a theme through today's show, and we're going to be talking about the first ever annual Canadian Social Harmony Index. How do we meet in the middle? How do we facilitate constructive conversations? That'll be the theme of this week's Real Talk Roundtable. Plus, it's Friday, so you know what that means. Right around 10 o'clock, another rousing edition of Trash Talk presented by our friends at Local Waste. Easily our most popular four minutes of the week. First, though, we want to remind you there's no way we'd be doing this show each and every weekday morning without the support of the team at Bitcoin Well. They're our presenting sponsor, and we're thrilled to have them on board as they brace for launch as well. Getting set to go public in the next short while. And of course, we're going to tell you more about that when that becomes their reality, when they have a date circled on the calendar. If you're looking to get into the Bitcoin game, maybe you want to gift somebody Bitcoin for Christmas. You know, they have gift cards. It's easily the best, safest and most simple way to get your hands on Bitcoin. They're proudly headquartered right here in Edmonton. You can check out more about what they're doing by visiting the sponsors link at RyanJesperson.com. Let's rock and roll, Sam. Real Talk starts now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Well, as mentioned, we're going to get right to it this morning, and I'm very much looking forward to welcoming uh, both of our guests who have, have agreed to agreeably disagree on the show this morning, I don't even know where this conversation is going to go. All I know is that it started on Twitter uh, with the Edmonton Journal columnist David Staple talking about lockdowns. He tweeted, if you failed to grasp by now that mandatory lockdowns, this is back on December 8th, a few days ago. If you failed to grasp that mandatory lockdowns limit lethal viral spread, but also cause hopelessness, depression, drug and alcohol abuse, family violence and related deaths, you get an F in COVID Analysis 101. Well, one of the folks that pushed back just so happens to be the interim chair of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Alberta. So we thought there was an opportunity for a great conversation here. You might call it Real Talk. So it's a pleasure to welcome to the program Dr. Peter Silverstone and David Staples, columnist with the Edmonton Journal. Gentlemen, a good morning and happy Friday to both of you. Good morning, Ron, and thanks for having us. On, uh, I just want to point out, uh, unfortunately, my little guy uh, here was uh, oh. up a lot last night, so she's on my lap. So if you hear her squealing or she pops up, that's what it is. She's not feeling 100% right now, uh, and I'm a bit tired. Uh, so doc, uh, I just wanted to point that out. Uh, and also thanks for, for David, for uh, although I disagree with him, as we'll find out, uh, talking about mental health is always good. So yeah. kudos to David. Okay, so and, and David, you know what, what hey, David— Hey, Ryan, and hey, Peter, I hope— Hope you guys can hear me and see me. I'm having a little bit of technical difficulty. I can hardly hear Ryan's voice. So okay, we'll try to get my voice as loud as possible uh, into David's ear. David, I was going to say we we both see through exactly what Peter is doing, bringing a puppy 
into a debate. He's he's trying to curry public favor before we've even said anything. We see right through this, David. David, I want to give you the floor first. You're the one who sent out the tweet. What's your take? Obviously, you're pushing back a little bit on the idea of a society locking down. Well, um, I'm okay with lockdown measures uh, when the when things get to the state that they are in Alberta. I think that uh, when the hospitals start to get challenged, that's clearly always been the signal from the start to lock down. Um, I think my only the only point I'm trying to make is that when you're analyzing the impacts of COVID and of lockdown, that you can't do a single variant analysis. And very often I'll see people say, well, the case count is this, so we must lock down. And that's the extent of their argument. And I think that kind of signals a single variant argument um, isn't compelling. That when we look at lockdown and COVID, you have to look at all of the impacts, all of the different variants of both the disease and of the lockdown. So the lockdown can, um, obviously it shuts down people's livelihoods. Flowing out of your livelihood being shut down can come all kinds of implications for yourself and your family including mental health issues. Um, we also see a rise in excess deaths uh, related to opioids and to dementia patients, which is somewhat unexplained, but I can tell you from personal experience, I have a parent suffering from dementia in an extended care home, that the lockdown has been absolutely devastating on those populations. It has led to a tremendous deterioration in the health of many people we're trying to protect, you know, in good faith, trying to protect, but the isolation for them is, is horrendous. Just wrote a story on a 106 year old woman who died from COVID. She hadn't seen a family member in three months uh, when she was in, in, in her uh, extended care facility. So when you're, when you're looking at lockdown and you're making the argument for lockdown, there are arguments for the lockdown, but look at all of the factors, look at all the all of the impacts on all of us. There's been talk in the poorer nations in the world how lockdown policy will lead to starvation. And I don't know if we're seeing that yet, but that's certainly a fear. And it's why until COVID, the World Health Organization, in terms of dealing with the pandemic, they never, they never looked at lockdown as a very viable strategy, except in the most extreme cases. So, so that's my only message is, you're making this analysis look at a lot of variables not just one uh dr silverstone you know pretty much the majority or everything that david just said uh seems reasonable makes sense to me i don't believe that that you should be doing single factor analysis on the impact of lockdowns i guarantee i mean i think to a fault Alberta's government to this point has considered other factors, including business. I mean, many people are suggesting that that they've been towing the line that business, that big business would would, would have them tow. So so is what David said fair? It sounds reasonable to me. I don't think he said anything ridiculous. Uh, so one of the interesting things about this exercise from my perspective is, that, you know, I'm not picking particularly on David. I'm just using uh, David. And I responded <clears throat> to David because of his his tweet, which in fact, in terms of the data science, he's mostly wrong. Uh, and, and I'll talk about why. And also his column where he was on the same day or similar day where he was talking about uh, public health and how public health individuals also say, you know, we've got to consider these wider issues. Of course we do. 
but what is really frustrating for me as a uh, individual expert in both behavioral science and neuroscience is that the science is really being ignored. And uh, we've done a lot of studies here and other people have done other studies. And there's no question that there is an increase in low mood and anxiety uh, during times of significant lockdown. Yeah, no question of that. However, the evidence that it leads to longer term major depression is actually very weak. Uh, there's been thankfully no Canadian increase in suicide rates. Uh, we've done studies uh, in family practice. We've looked at people who have uh, gone into family practice, they have stresses, obviously their mood goes uh, down, they get anxious. And when the stresses disappear, the vast majority get better. And it doesn't really matter how you interact with them or treat them or don't treat them. They all get better at the same rate. So I think we need to recognize that there are some short-term mental health problems. I'm not minimizing those. I see them every day and treat them. But to say that they're equivalent to either the mental health problems caused by loss or these long-term coverage problems is simply not the case. And to justify not locking down because of these mental health problems also doesn't reflect the data. And so I think that really when we look at this from the scientific viewpoint of behavioral science and neuroscience, I think the evidence is pretty clear. And the real thing for me that I think is most important to bring out is why I believe, and the two of you may disagree with me, that the behavioral science shows that a mandatory lockdown and mandatory vaccinations can be supported. Uh, and just to show uh, lastly that I'm not uh, just picking on uh, David Ryan, something you said the other day, which makes complete sense, uh, but is also generally wrong. So let me just say, you were talking to Dr. Uh, Saeed Fazel, and you said, uh, and, and I wrote it down because it's so interesting, you said, education will beat enforcement every time if you want mass buy-in. That was the statement. Uh, in fact, that's not accurate. Uh, what turns out to work isn't either enforcement or uh, mass education. We all know we should exercise every day, eat healthily, not drink, et cetera, et cetera. Knowing that doesn't change our behavior. What does change behavior usually is carrots and sticks. And I think we need to think in a more holistic manner that it's not an either or. If we want to get an outcome, people wearing masks, people taking vaccinations, we can't say, well, you know, how are we going to enforce this? Or, uh, you know, we need to take other aspects. Just instituting mandatory mask wearing increases mask wearing rates, surprisingly. Uh, vaccinations, again, you know, if we're going to have mass vaccinations as we need, can we do carrots and sticks that work? You know, what are the policy choices we have? And I feel the conversation hasn't really focused in this area appropriately. I've gone on for a long time, Rand, so I'll stop for a moment. That, that's okay. I want to give David a chance to respond. David, take the floor. Sorry, and if you see me leaning into the computer, Mitch, may look a little weird. It's because I'm trying to hear, hear Ryan's voice, which I'm still struggling to hear. I hear Peter quite well. Um, so the... My, I guess my the, the one thing that stood out that I that, uh, of an area of disagreement with with um, Professor Silverstone is that the that this is a, a short term issue. I mean, what, if the lockdown had been the initial lockdown and we can carry continued on with our lives, I agree that the the picture that you're painting is probably quite accurate. That that uh, if we had bounced back rather quickly, but you know. Um, there is an end game now, but we have it with, with the vaccine, but we haven't been dealing necessarily with an end game situation in terms of how we can uh, conduct public policy until the vaccines uh, had such hope, hopeful results. 
And even then, there's some questions about how quickly things are going to bounce back. My concern is the long-term uh, economic implications and the all of the, you know, I think there's known uh, psychological problems that flow out of unemployment, uh, flow out of not having a job for extended periods of time. So m- my concern is that you start to damage the economy in a fairly significant manner when you have repeated lockdowns over an extended period of time. Um, we've heard restaurant owners, for instance, just an example, well-used example from who have been surveyed by the Canadian Federal Federation of Independent Business talking about if there's an, if there was another lockdown and here we are in the middle of it, of extended duration, that, that many of them will go out of business um, as much as 40%. And these are always, you know, hard to know how accurate any of these numbers are. Um, when a restaurant goes out of business, uh, the restaurateur goes out of business, the people who work there, there's all the suppliers. Um, so, yes, if a lockdown was just, if we had a lockdown, it was, the first one was two months, which was a fairly significant part of time, uh, period of time. How long will this one be? What will be the economic consequences and how will those impact people as they go along? I, I agree, Dr. Silverstone, people are, are resilient. If, if these lockdowns were short, um, we would, we'll probably get through it. Uh, my concern is about their duration. And uh, if they get long enough, how, how is that gonna crush our economy? We've already, so- we've already had a, we're already more than a trillion dollars in debt, I understand, because of this. That's real money we have to pay back that's going to be taken from our schools and hospitals in the future. Also, another impact. Um, so, David, uh, my, oh, go ahead. I, I'm, I'm interrupting not because I'm disagreeing with you, because Ryan has point, brought us to a point of radical agreement. Uh, I completely agree <laughs> with you about the long-term economic impacts. In fact, I tweeted about this back in March about how probably the biggest psychological outcomes will be from the long-term economic downside. And I completely agree. We know that those have an effect. I also agree with you that people whose livelihoods have changed, uh, and you know, I see these people every day in my clinic, uh, people whose lives have changed are impacted and there are psychological uh, problems. We can argue about um, you know, how long a lockdown should be. That's not my expertise. I'm not able to say. I'm also not able to say when a lockdown should occur. I mean, some of my medical colleagues were, were pushing this some long time ago. Uh, so, you know, that isn't my area of expertise. What I can say, I think, fairly definitively, is that when we look at the evidence, the neuroscience, the behavioral science, that really the concerns, the mental health concerns from short, intense lockdowns are not that great. They should not be the reason to not have a lockdown if it's necessary from public health. And I do want to point out that we often do things for public health reasons to help others, uh, even though people don't want it. We can talk about seatbelts. We can talk about helmets. Those don't even affect the wider population, but we mandate those. Things that affect others, you know, whether it's secondhand smoke or drink driving, we know that exhorting people and asking them to do that isn't enough. And we have to use both inducements, uh, you know, you you can drive, uh, and here's fines. And I just believe that we need to take what we know from the wider behavioral science literature, which is a lot, and apply it to how do we get people to wear masks and how do we get people to get vaccinated? And I think the column about, uh, you know, saying about lockdowns, we, you know, I think we've got good evidence about that, but I think we need to think about applying behavioral science to how we get good outcomes. And I think that's super important for all of us. Uh, so that's really the, I think the major point I'm most keen to make. 
David, I want to, I know you can barely hear me. All right. When I'm on... talking about um, the impacts, I am talking about a long-term impact. Like that's embedded. That's in my mind. I don't know if I'm getting that across when I'm writing that is my column. But that's in what's in my head. It's not just the short-term psychological impacts, but looking at this now and down the road and, and the overall harm that will flow out of it in many different directions. So. Let me... So, David, just uh, we did a study in Fort McMurray. Sorry, Ryan. Uh, we did a study in Fort McMurray and myself and many colleagues where we looked at exactly that. And there's no question that short, intense experiences can lead to longer term mental health problems. We saw that. Um, obviously, those uh, physicians and nursing colleagues, and, and both a, a daughter and uh, my wife are both nurses, as well as uh, the health impacts on first responders, on uh, essential workers, those are real. I'm not minimizing those. Those lead to long-term problems. You're right, too, about uh, Alzheimer's and cognitive issues. Those individuals who are in a routine do deteriorate and often don't step back. But from a societal viewpoint, those changes, we're trying to minimize those experiences by having a lockdown. So uh, I think on a new, uh, really what I'm asking for is nuance. Uh, I'm not fundamentally disagreeing with you. What I am saying is that I think we need, need to be more nuanced and uh, to be honest, the tweet wasn't particularly nuanced, which is why I responded. Uh, I'm going to jump <laughs> this in. This is the nature of tweets, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, public public commentary and uh, public commentary and debate on Twitter can go so far. But but we're grateful uh, that uh, both David and Dr. Silverstone. Sam, just put me full screen for a second there. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we're going to try to get so David can hear me, obviously, um, and and we can hear. Dr. Silverstone's puppy as well, uh, which is wonderful because listeners are chiming in like Sarah, for example, is demanding puppies every segment now on Real Talk. We'll do what we can. I wanted to jump in for a couple of quick things. Uh, number one, uh, David Staples is not wrong in saying that Canada's federal COVID response has brought us to the point, I think is how he worded it, brought us to the point of a trillion dollars in debt. But keep in mind, though, that Canada, the federal government to this point, has spent approximately 275 to $280 billion to depending on the numbers that you're looking at on COVID response. So yes, it has brought Canada's debt to $987 billion, but Canada has not spent a trillion dollars on COVID response. I think that's an important clarification. Uh, Peter, I also wanted to respond to your comment, uh, my assertion that I believe that education goes further than enforcement when it comes to public buy-in. Hey, I'm the one who's banged the drum for years saying that we've done a terrible job enforcing things like impaired driving. Uh, we've done uh, an, a terrible impaired driving legislation, I should say. We've done a terrible job enforcing distracted driving legislation. We've done a terrible job enforcing a lot of things. And I have called for more enforcement on that. So I'm not against it. All I'm saying is that I think, and I saw somebody use the example of, of trying to get people to quit smoking as an example. If you outlaw cigarettes, all you're going to do is create a robust black market. It will still happen. Grannies everywhere are still getting their menthol cigarettes, even though they were outlawed a couple of years ago. They're still getting them. These are little old ladies, cutie pies, baking butter tarts that have never broken the law before, but now they are to get their hands on their menthols. Education campaigns centered around why we should wear seatbelts or bike helmets or stop smoking, I think are more effective. Now, I would say, Peter, and I'd love for you to comment on this right now, I would say I find it compelling for you to suggest that you think mandatory vaccinations could even be a conversation because as far as I'm concerned I want everybody to get vaccinated but there's no way in hell a government's going to get buy-in to mandatory make it mandatory for people to stick needles in their arms there's not a chance that'll fly and I'll get David's opinion on that but Peter you first 
So we've got to look at, you know, what's evidence-based and what isn't. Uh, certainly some countries have mandatory vaccinations. We used to have, uh, certainly in many countries, mandatory vaccinations for school kids. And so it's not actually a new concept. I think what we've done is we've conflate individual rights with societal benefits. And that, I think, is a pendulum that has swung one way. And yet I've pointed out individual rights. I can choose to play my music as loud as I want outside your house. I can choose to smoke where I want. I can choose to wear a helmet or not wear a helmet. I can choose to drive uh, and drink. Those individual rights are actually limited basically for societal benefits, even though the health benefit to me wearing a helmet is for me, not for society. So it's not actually a novel concept, but I think the pendulum has moved, and one can argue that some of that is due to changes uh, south of us in the US, uh, where individualism is prioritized over societal benefits. Uh, there are many stages in, in you know, relatively recent history where societal benefits have been prioritized. So I don't actually accept the argument that it's impossible and won't fly, although I'm not a politician, uh, I don't play in that area, and I'm certainly happy to take other people's guidance in that. What I would say is that the data and the science shows that making things mandatory makes a difference. You can then say, how would you enforce it? Well, that's a different question. What are the carrots you're using? Okay, I'm going to pay you $5,000 when you have a vaccination, as opposed to $5. I'm going to not allow you to have a driving license if you don't get a vaccination. That's a choice. We do that with people who don't pay, uh, you know, if, if they're what are called deadbeat dads. So all of those things are feasible. They're choices. What I'm really saying is that the behavioral science shows and I believe this, and the neuroscience shows, that if you choose to have a particular policy, using both carrots and sticks is the best way to get that policy effective. Okay, that's let me, really what I'm saying. I'm not saying that's the right choice or not. Let me make sure David has a chance to respond to that. Uh, first of all, Ryan, thanks for the clarification on the, uh, the economic impact of the lockdown. I think of what I'm referring to is, and, and it's, a, it's the... Uh, how much it's going to spend in how much we're going to spend in total more than a trillion dollars over time not that what we've spent up until now and i and i i think it's easy to imagine uh, spending that amount at this point um giving we're you know we're talking about tens and tens of billions of dollars each month to support canadians uh which i support um what the trudeau government's doing in that regard uh in terms of mandatory vaccination um i really do like the idea of of carrots uh, for get, getting people to be vaccinated is a hell of a good idea. There's going to be some sticks. There's going to be, we already hear Qantas talking about, they're not going to allow, if, if a country has gone through a heavy lockdown and they've got eliminated COVID, they're not going to allow people to fly into that country without vaccination. And that's going to be, people are going to have to make a real choice in their life. People who don't want to get vaccinated are going to have a very difficult choice ahead of them. In terms of in terms of flight, my own hope is uh, twofold: that there's going to be such a glut of vaccine, first of all, that c Canadians who want to get vaccinated, you know, first in line, will be able to get vaccinated first in line, and we'll be all be able to get vaccinated in the first six months of the year. My 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 other hope is that people who really don't want to get vaccinated, that we can achieve herd immunity. There's been different theories about when herd immunity is reached. Um, with COVID and that we can achieve herd immunity without mandatory vaccination because I can see how absolutely adamant some people are in terms of their own personal health about not getting vaccinated. 
and, and whereas I am definitely getting vaccinated in, unless there's some kind of mon monster, if, monster uh, scary stories coming out, which I don't expect to happen. I'm, I'm in line. I want to see my parents. I want to be safe around them. Um, I do respect people, uh, the, the, the very real anxiety and fear that they have about vaccination. So let's, ho let's hope there's a glut and let's hope that we can get to herd immunity fast without um, needing mandatory vaccination. So uh, can I push back on that? Because mostly I agree with you, David, except the, uh, you know, the fact that people have realistic fears. There are not realistic fears of vaccines. Vaccines are incredibly safe. There's a lot of massive misinformation, disinformation, sometimes deliberate. And when we talk about herd immunity, look at measles and look at the outbreaks we've experienced because we've dropped below that. And nobody knows, in fact, what our level is. There are lots of guesses, as you say. Uh, but I, I think that there is a case to be made from, from mandatory vaccination. Ultimately, that's a political decision. All I'm saying is the behavioral science, I believe, supports the use, whether it's a political decision or a choice is, is not something I can comment on. Uh, I unfortunately have a hard stop in a few minutes, but Ryan, can I just switch the topic slightly and just comment on something else you've said a couple of times, which I think is really interesting, uh, isn't on this topic, but is in the mental health area. Can I do that? If I, that's just, right I just want to quickly remind you, uh, Dr. Peter Silverstone, chair of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Alberta, that on Real Talk, you can do whatever the hell you want. So the floor is yours. Thank you. Uh, twice uh, I've heard you, and I'm really enjoying the show like everybody else. In fact, it's been so good, I thought, how hard can being a podcast, doing a podcast be? Maybe I'll start <laughs> one. Uh, but more seriously, you've mentioned psilocybin. And if I'm looking to the future and optimistic, I was on a CBC uh, talk show yesterday, I said the same thing. If I'm being optimistic, this is one of the most exciting therapeutic opportunities I think we have. And uh, I'm going to look at psilocybin, which is contained in magic mushrooms. And and, and you and, uh, and and Sam were talking about, you know, taking it. Yes, at higher doses, it causes uh, psychedelic and, and can be hallucinogenic responses. Uh, but I think the evidence that these mushrooms can make a major difference to mental health, depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, dealing with the things that often we can't deal with, whether that's people at end of life, people during cancer, is really extraordinarily exciting. And I'm hoping that this compound in particular uh, is something that the government, both federally and even provincially, uh, chooses to uh, open up, at least for study, and so that people such as myself could consider prescribing it once we've done the studies. So I actually think that something that you have been talking about is very real. Uh, I'm not going to oversell it and say it's the solution to everything, but I would say literally every day when I see a group of patients, at least one of them, I thought, oh, I wonder how they do on this, given the evidence today. So I did want to talk about that because I don't want to be just doom and gloom. I do want to look at reasons for optimism. And I do think that that's something you've been talking about that I think we need to uh, consider. So I just wanted to put that in. It's not directly related. I know you've spoken a lot about uh, opiates and, and other areas, and we could have that discussion separately as well. But this is something I think that's really important. And so I think organic therapy mushrooms are going to be really important uh, going forward for many of us. I have signed me up for the study. I was just going to say, if why don't the three of us take a big handful about a half an hour before the show, Peter, and then just re recreate this debate and see where it goes. I'll set aside 90 minutes. Um, so, hey, listen, Sam, I'll just get back, everybody back on camera here for a second. I know Dr. Silverstone has to go. Uh, we're really grateful for your time. David, I wanted to give you a chance to just wrap up your thoughts, you know, in a minute or so. Just sort of leave us with something to think about based on on what we've heard and talked about for the last 25 minutes. Uh, well, I, I really agree with Dr. Silverstone's point about uh, 
psilocybin and other and other uh, drugs in that area. They they were the the study of this stuff was shut down during a, a period of intense paranoia about the impacts of these drugs. It was a, a massive amount of harm I think has been done to our society by that kind of extreme reaction to uh, to science. And I fully support uh, him getting into this area of study. I've often thought I, I'm aware of the studies of people who take psilocybin uh, who are near death and the incredible positive impact it has in bringing them peace of mind. So good luck on that, Dr. Silverstone. I, I uh, hope that you proceed, and uh, you know I'm, I'll be happy to write about it myself and to to cheer you on. In the end, in terms of our our, our disagreement, I think it was probably a, a Twitter disagreement, which as much as anything. Which is which is common, you know, the, the the fog of Twitter. People, we do make these short statements. We're trying to make an impact, get people's attention, be blunt, and and they they are not always completely nuanced or looking at at all aspects of things. I really do think that that everyone, in terms of looking at lockdown and COVID, let's as much as we can be nuanced and engage in. We're we're calling for the same thing. I'm calling for a multivariant analysis. You're calling for nuance. And when I hear the debates in the legislature, I, I see uh, sometimes a lack of both from both sides, uh, both the NDP and the UCP. And I just really want to stress how important that is because, and how difficult it is because we don't always have all of the statistics and numbers um, and the data that we need to make uh, strong decisions. But just to go into it with that mindset that we're going to look and be open to all kinds of different factors in evaluating both the impacts of COVID and of lockdown. Thanks, Thank fellas. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to take you up on something before I go, which is you offered the opportunity to do a shout out, not only to my, oh. my wonderful little companion here called Mila, uh, but also uh, to my daughter as a nurse at the Stollery, Olivia. She's a huge fan of yours, as you know, uh, but also to all the staff, all of my colleagues, the nursing colleagues particularly, but also my physician colleagues. And, you know, I just in such admiration for the work they do. I'm lucky. I get to do mine from this room. Uh, you know, I, I'm not in physical contact with patients, and so I can do that. But I am aware from all of my colleagues, you know, the fantastic work they're doing. And the next three months will be pretty tough for many of them. So I just really want to give them all a shout out, uh, the Stollery nurses, the Stollery physicians, but really all of my colleagues. It's going to be a tough couple of months. Indeed. And we've got their backs as best we can. My thanks to David Staples, columnist with uh, Post Media. You can read his uh, work in the Edmonton Journal, and that's Dr. Peter Silverstone as well, uh, the interim chair of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Alberta. Uh, on the, our live YouTube uh, comments, some insightful stuff here, and I appreciate it. Kaylin is listening in uh, from Vancouver this morning. Uh, she says, you know, a holistic view of health and the economic impacts also, of course, include government support for these businesses, does it not? Uh, she says, you know, a strong initial lockdown combined with government support, for example, Australia and New Zealand seems to have been the most effective. Um, I'm going to take that message from Kay Lynn to make an announcement on the fly. I was planning on telling you about this next week, uh, but she references Australia's response to this uh, pandemic. I wanted to let you know uh, we're very excited uh, early next week to be welcoming Back to Alberta's airwaves 10 years after the cookie incident. Yeah, that's right. He's been quarterbacking much of Australia's COVID response now from halfway around the world from here. Dr. Stephen Duckett is going to join us live on the show next week. Now, because of the 18 hours, see, Sam Brooks, the producer of the show, is just hearing this for the first time as well. Because I keep secrets from everybody because I want to be able to drop these big surprise bombs on you. I find out who's going to be on the show at about 
like 1 a.m. You find out about before. one in the morning. Yeah. I, I hold my cards close to my chest, you know, because because I, we can get burned on these types of things. Right. Like, for example, yesterday, P- Pierre Polyev was going to be on the show right up until he wasn't going to be on the show. But we had already told you he was. And then eh, you know how that feels. We're working to get him back, by the way. So early next week, Dr. Stephen Duckett will join us. It may very well. And this is also me telling Sam live on the air. You may have to work a little OT one of the days next week. It's an 18 hour time difference. So we're trying to get him live at 830 in the morning. But that's like, you know, 230 in the morning, his time the next day. And it's like, you know, so we're going to figure it out. It might be 10 or 15 or 20 minutes in the middle of the afternoon. But hey, big deal. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Ring the bell. And then every time we're going live, it's going to notify you. So you're going to get special broadcast events. So we can accommodate these types of things because we make you our no pre-tape promise. I will never pre-tape an interview and then spin it, essentially lie to you like a lot of the broadcasters do. They're not lying. They're just kind of they're kind of like omitting the truth. They're just kind of tricking you a little bit. And I've done it before. I have done it before. I'm just saying we're not doing it anymore. I've always hated it. I don't like the practice. It makes me anxious. So we'll go live from time to time outside our typical broadcast window, and that'll include next week with Dr. Stephen Duckett, who confirmed with us yesterday, and I'm super excited about that. He's going to give us some insight into what's working in Australia. Thanks to Kaylin, by the way, for the comment. Thanks for listening in from Vancouver. We're going to get to our Real Talk Roundtable uh, in just a few minutes, but we've got some business to take care of first, including... A big shout-out to the teams at Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. They are uh, such a cherished partner, and not just because they have those Christmas frozen ice cream cake logs. And if you walk into the store, if you walk in at Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, Y Gardens, and Baseline Road, the six locations that sponsor this broadcast, and if you just sort of drop the whole, like, real talk at the till they're going to give you one of those christmas frozen ice cream logs for 50 percent off don't try it at other dairy queens it doesn't work at other dairy queens it works because you tune into real talk and they have our back here so if you want to celebrate the holidays in the sweetest way possible go shout out to the dairy queens northwest edmonton and sherwood park and it's drive-through time again They've got you covered there. Westworld Computers keeps us on the air each and every day with the iMac, the MacBook Pro, the iPad, and everything else we need. Daryl and his family have owned and operated that business in Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary for more than 40 years. They're into the sales side and, of course, the service side as well. And what they do, they do best because they're local and they care about their customer relationships. See, this we get to use our GoPro. Sam gets to show off that big, sexy unit on his desk. That is the, of course, iMac. And we thank our sponsors each and every day. You can find them under the sponsors link at ryanjesperson.com. Sam, let's take a second before we get to the roundtable to get into the headlines. Well, we'll hear from Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau later today. We expect uh, Minister Jonathan Wilkinson as well, Environment Minister, will be there as uh, an announcement. New climate measures to be rolled out aimed at ensuring Canada will meet its net zero greenhouse gas emissions target by 2050. Uh, bringing Canada's environmental policies closer in line with European allies. Uh, A source familiar with the file says it could include new spending measures aimed at meeting that 2050 goal and surpassing Canada's 2030 environmental commitments. On the COVID front, here in our home province of Alberta, health officials reporting 1,566 new cases of COVID-19 yesterday, 13 additional deaths. That's 666. Ominous for 
more than one reason. Of course, our thoughts uh, sincerely, our condolences to those families and our thoughts with them through this holiday break, as well as those who have loved ones in intensive care. That's 124 Albertans as of yesterday, a strenuous and stressful holiday season. And of course, we want to convey love and support in as many ways as we can. Shoot that loved one a text today, especially if you know that they're in hospital or love someone who is. The National Hockey League questions swirling around as insider John Shannon tweeting yesterday, a source confirms the NHL planning the private purchase of a COVID vaccine for all constituents involved in the potential upcoming season. Shannon kind of walking it back a little while later on Twitter. You wonder if Gary Bettman maybe gave him a call. He says, hey, hey, hey. He says the NHL is interested in securing a vaccine if and when it's available for private purchase. The league adamant it will not jump any lines bad optics there and you have to wonder if head office was in touch with john shannon and if he may have shot himself in the foot there on that one we'll keep you posted on that story an interesting one finally making news internationally take a look at this photo a spacex rocket crashing crashing upon landing uh, just a short time ago this was uh just uh, above that company testing facility in south texas where it was soaring it came back down as planned before crashing now of course nobody on board the rocket it was an early developmental model of starship which they say will be used for hauling massive satellites here's the thing uh, elon musk on twitter saying an issue with the rocket's fuel system caused it to make a crash landing but here's the thing spacex spacex and, and elon musk in particular they embrace these types of things they say these are learning opportunities uh, both those within spacex and outside science commentators for example on cnn this morning saying despite the crash still a big success so live and learn a peek into the future i suppose which kind of sorta is now all right let's get to our real talk roundtable every friday morning right around nine o'clock today 908 because well we got into some extra talk with our panelists before and i love it maybe the same will happen here we're going to bring in people from lived experience people with expert and educated perspectives and we're going to take on issues that matter most to us and and it's not lost on us that these days there's an assertion that Everybody's in tribes, everybody's in camps, everybody's planted their flag, and there's really no middle ground. We brought you that clip from author Matthew McConaughey earlier this week. He, he said, you know, he used to hear that if the only person that's in the middle of the road is the armadillo and he's smashed right on the yellow line, run over by trucks. But he said these days nobody's more safe, I'm paraphrasing, than the armadillo because everybody's so far off to the left and the right, their tires aren't even on the road anymore. Well, an interesting study has been commissioned, and uh, we want to get into this out of Ambrose University here in Alberta. That's where Professor Joni Avram uh, is an expert in behavioral science, uh, also a marketing consultant and a lecturer there at Ambrose University. They've teamed up with a research firm for the first annual Canadian Social Harmony Index to determine if the country is divided as we think. We're also extremely lucky and honored to welcome to the program Dr. Jody Carrington, a psychologist, a speaker, a well-known author, uh, the game changer behind Kids These Days, which you can buy anywhere you buy great books, uh, Canadian bestseller creating what Dr. Carrington calls a reconnection revolution, one relationship at a time. I'm thrilled to welcome both of these experts to the program uh, this morning. So, uh, doctors, thanks so much for being with us and, and welcome to Real Talk. A good Friday morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, Ryan. 
Hi, Joni. Hi, Jody. Nice to meet you. Uh, you too. Professor Avram, I, I want to begin with you first. This is the study that you and your team at Ambrose University commissioned, this Canadian Social Harmony Index. It may be an obvious question, but I think it's important to ask it. Why did you need to undertake this project? Why was this so important right now? First of all, it was um, it was actually a personal uh project of mine and through my agency, Cause and Effect Marketing, in partnership with RA2, which is a Calgary firm, a research company. And we were talking, we've been talking about this for for months, the question of polarization and what it's, how dangerous polarization can be, not just in and of itself, but because of the perception that we are very divided. And now this is an interesting problem because <clears throat> we are social creatures who are very influenced by the behavior of others. And if we have this sense that the, the vast majority of people are, are behaving in a polarized, very divisive and kind of us versus them way, we're more likely to follow suit. And that's dangerous because uh, when we're fighting each other, we can't really fight for the common good. And that's a concern I have. I'm a, I'm a social marketer. I have a great concern about uh, creating social good, social positive social outcomes and positive social change. So we decided to, to measure to measure Canadians' willingness to compromise, find common ground, um, and to decide and to ask them whether or not they thought we were so far apart that we couldn't come together. And the results are pretty, were pretty incredible, actually. We found that 73% said pers they personally seek to find common understanding, even if people with people of different beliefs. 64% uh, that like-minded people, so people who think the same way I do, should be willing to listen to others and compromise. And then 82% said our differences are not so large that we can't find common ground. So these are all really astonishingly positive, encouraging data points. But what, what also really encouraged us was that this data was really very consistent right across the country. So it doesn't matter which part of the, which region we looked at, they were consistently willing to compromise. You know, when, when I hear data like this, sometimes what I like to do, and, and Dr. Carrington, this, is, uh, this may amuse you a little bit, but I've been watching you respond to the data that you're hearing from Professor Avram, because I, you're obviously a mental health professional, a, a counseling psychologist. What did you make of those numbers? Are you a little surprised? The one that really jumped out at me, 82% of respondents believe that they could seek and find common ground. That's very, very encouraging. I sure don't see that on Twitter. Maybe it's a reminder that Twitter's not real life. Okay, listen, so first of all, I freaking love it, Joni. That's amazing. Secondly, here's the deal. Uh, we're wired for connection. Our desire, our human desire is to be connected to each other. You know where things fall apart is when we get scared. When we get emotionally dysregulated, we pick a lane and we go hard. And you know what's really scary right now? This thing called the corona. I don't know if you've heard of her, mm. but what happens when there's uncertainty, fear, and no end in sight, people get emotionally dysregulated. And when you're emotionally dysregulated, you lose the capacity to stay connected. You armor up. So the data is beautiful because when they say, listen, when we're calm and making good choices, responding to items, I'm going to tell you, listen, in my heart, I want to be connected. I want to be a good person. I have a desire to hear your side of the story. When I'm scared, 
all bets are off. And part of the issue we're facing right now, I think, in the, in the globe, I mean, with a huge systemic look at oppression and marginalization in the middle of a global friggin' pandemic is people are scared. And you don't tell me what to do when I'm scared. You don't say you cannot have Christmas with your mother. I'll punch your face. When I'm calm, I get it. Of course, I will respect that. I don't want to make anybody sick. I don't want to hurt my children or yours. But when I'm scared, I have trouble seeing the light and that connection is really true. So I love this data. I, and I think it's it's beautiful and it's true. We can trust it because we're good. We really want to be nice to freaking people. You know, but I, it's contagious. Chippiness is contagious, Ryan. You yes. know. Well, yeah, I know a little bit. But but also what I'm trying to do, uh, and, and by the way, apologies to everybody tuning in right now. I apologize that both of our guests are so boring and don't care at all about what they're talking about. It's it's so apparent that 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 you're just just no entertainment value to this conversation whatsoever. Um, I'm so excited to have you two here for another 45 minutes. We're just getting started. Uh, but but so what is it then, uh, Joni? That that you know we sit here and 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 Jody's right. Like we're wired for connection. We feel that but I see it all the time I see people expressing it to me I mean a, a, a guy that I follow on Twitter I don't know his real identity I don't know if, if it's actually a, a man I don't know anything about him I know he's insightful he tweets at me all the time he tweeted at me earlier this week and said he used to be a member of the Wild Rose Party executive like the, the right wing Wild Rose Party executive through his lived experience, he says now with the expressions he makes about politics and social justice on Twitter, many of his former friends and political allies are, are smearing him in the worst possible way they can by suggesting he might actually support the NDP. And so Scientific Albertan on Twitter told me that he's had to walk away from these friendships. I mean, can you imagine? I know the obvious thing to say is that they were never friends in the first place, but someone's politics or perspective changes and they have to leave friends behind. Uh, give us some insight into why this is happening. That's not a standalone example by any means. So here's what's interesting. The second part of this research we did covered Canadian values. What do people really care about when we ask them, what are the big things in life that you hold dear and how do you rank them in your own life? Another data point I'm going to throw at you and then I'll answer your question. It was like, uh, again, 78% uh, said caring for others, the larger community in the world was a high value. That's 78%. That's almost four out of five people. So we know that we are caring folks. We care and we're caring collaborators. We want to work together. We are actually more driven by social focused values than personally focused values. And that's a really interesting data point to keep in mind. So if you want to deal with people who don't necessarily have the same opinion as you, who might have a different stand on an issue than you, if you come at it from a, a perspective of values and shared values and you say, look, I know that you care about people. I know that you give the shirt off your back to somebody. Um, but I don't quite get why, you're, why, you're, why you think this way. Can you help me understand it? that's going to be received so much better more and differently more constructively by by friends and family and if you and if you know that you're going to be um, you know if you're going to be dealt with fairly in in these situations i think you're more inclined to sort of show your heart 
as opposed to just using your head and your mouth to 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 create anger and when you can react and relate on an empathic level that that's a that's a game changer for people. It actually allows us to connect. Jody, you know this, right? I mean, this is what we want, but we're scared to be vulnerable with people we, we don't necessarily trust who are going to receive us for who we are and what we think. And this is where the, the challenge is. Jody, you can jump in anytime you like. I mean, please, please let me let me just invite the two of you. I know we're doing this live, but please feel free to just interact with each other. We want this conversation to flow freely. And, and Dr. Carrington, it seems like something there resonated with you. What was it? Oh my God. Okay. So what what Joni's talking about is brilliant because it's really this idea. I want you to think about this. If you collect before you direct. I mean, this is an age-old prophecy that we become very very clear about seek first to understand before being understood engage first before you i mean and i talk to teachers about this all the time right if you this is the heartbeat of any marital therapy that i do when we talk about the dynamic that happens in relationships think about the power with your partner when you have the balls the audacity the whatever kahunas it takes to say i'm sorry honey how much then are you able to have a conversation with your partner rather than being like, are you seriously, you're tired. I got puke in my bra and I don't know where your children are. And I should have married Todd Bablitz from Bruce, but no, I got you. Okay. Now, how much more of an opportunity do I have to have a conversation when I say, babe, I'm sorry. I, I bet you're having a hard go, right? I really want to throw a punch him, but in my head, I'm going to collect before I direct. This is the epitome. This is the epitome of having solid conversations. But this is why it's so hard. People struggle to stay regulated because we're so desperate to be heard. We're so desperate to be right. I want to know I'm so committed to my place because of my lived perception. If I'm a physician right now and I'm holding people through death, and I'm waving at their family for them on the other side of a plexiglass, you bet I am going to stand up to those anti-maskers. If I am a single mom whose mom has Alzheimer's and you say to me, this is my last Christmas with my mother, she's the only grandparent that my baby knows, and you say I can't have Christmas with her? Are we allowed to swear in here? I forget. Are you going to say whatever the fuck you want, Doc? Okay, so then I would say, fuck you, Kenny. I'm doing whatever I want to do, right? And I understand right? Perception is a function of experience. And so when I am in this place of being, feeling dysregulated, I can say to that mama, I understand, look at me, tell me more. What's been the hardest part. And when she comes back to me, when she's regulated, I can say, here's what we need to do. We need to keep people safe because I want to keep your baby alive too. Mm. How are we going to handle this through Christmas? Or I would say this to the physician, look at me, look at me. I am so grateful for what you do. I cannot, the sacrifice for your own family. Can I just tell you, I think when you are acknowledged, you will rise. Indigenous cultures have taught us this for years and we're only starting to listen now. You acknowledge, people rise. That's the piece we're missing. The armadillo, listen, you, you can pick a lane, but you first must seek to understand before being understood and empathy requires you to suspend judgment temporarily. I hope that- I don't have to agree with you. 
Ryan, did you? I think you really gave a, made a bad choice in giving us a green light here because yeah. no, no, we'll do our no, own show. No, we no, don't no, actually no. need you. Let okay, me listen. No, so the, get a coffee. You don't need me, and uh, a good, a great host recognizes when they are not needed and they get the hell out of the way. And that's exactly what I'm doing. And I will continue to do that right after I live up to this obligation. And that is to remind everybody at home that if you're, look, see how I did that? See, that's what a great host can do is to remind you right now that the air you're breathing as, you, as you're gasping at the incredible wisdom that our two guests are providing as you're going, what? This is incredible. What's in the air you're breathing? When's the last time you changed your furnace filter? See? Huh? That's what Clean Air Club is all about, is purifying the air in your home. We're aware of that and the importance of it now more than ever. And so if you go to cleanairclub.ca and you sign up, you just let them know the size of the furnace filter you need, they're going to help you with everything else. Frequency of the change, delivery of the new furnace filters, and a special gift for every customer at drop-off supporting another local merchant check out cleanairclub.ca or you can link to them under the sponsors page on our website we're also so grateful for the support of park power park power is your friendly local utilities provider they offer internet electricity and natural gas in alberta i love their business model i'm going to tell you something i don't think they'll mind me saying this the majority of our advertisers have found us they've come to us it was the other way around with park power I watched, I saw them on social media, and I said, I love your brand, I love what you're doing, and I think that our show and what you're doing perfectly align. They agreed, and so here we are. They are local in their customer service, they're local with their call centers, and they profit share with local charities. So you gotta pay somebody for your internet, electricity, and natural gas. Why not give your business to Park Power who powers our hashtag, RealTalkRJ, which I'm monitoring right now. Let's get back to our guests. We're talking to Professor Joni Avram, Dr. Jody Carrington, and on that hashtag, RealTalkRJ, I love this from Michael, who's listening in right now, and, and we wish all of our Jewish friends right now a happy Hanukkah. Michael says, people's desire to be connected. The Torah calls this shalom living. Joni, I want you to pick up on that. Hmm. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting because of my studies in behavioral science sh show something interesting about this, this idea of uh, what happens when we communicate from a common ground perspective and we make our differences less salient, less sort of pronounced. What happens is we have this natural automatic inclination to reach out to others to be good to them, to share information. Our trust levels go up. And the thing is, it doesn't have to, it's not something I have to think about or work work up to. I don't have to really kind of do any work around this. I just naturally feel it. And when we talk about social change and positivity and creating the social connection and social stability, there's something about, first of all, common ground that really works to, to create that good outcome. Um, and then there's also something about the positivity that creates like that light in the world notion, which is what what the what Hanukkah does. It's, it's light in the darkness. Uh, and so how do we promote more of this? I often talk about, we talk about the, the value of promoting our virtues rather than our vices. 
you know, there's a lot of stories out there we can point to that, uh, you know, we can see people doing the wrong thing and, and that's one way of going about it. But there's another way to go about it. And that is let's show people who are doing the right thing. Because when we see people doing the right thing, again, it is emotionally connecting, empowering. It actually creates a physical and cognitive response that builds our skill and ability to reach out to others and think differently and more creatively. Jody. Yeah, uh, like I'm in. And I think that's really the the point about it, right? Is that like, I love that tweet. It's that, that question of for multiple generations, particularly Eastern philosophical practices have said, I mean, you, you look across any race, religion, culture, there's this underlying understanding that we are wired for connection that eye contact, physical proximity makes the most significant difference to things like emotional regulation, which is staying calm in times of distress. That's where we have access to kindness, compassion, empathy, our words, our memories. When I'm emotionally dysregulated, when I'm losing my friggin' mind, I lose all capacity to those things. So when you wanna look at your own child and decide whether you're being a good parent or look at your, your team and decide whether you're leading them well, make that judgment when they're regulated and filled up because they have access to everything you've ever taught them then. When they lose their mind, they're actually in the most learning state possible because they're getting emotionally dysregulated. Ram Dass said this, he's my favorite philosopher of all time, he's dead. And mostly we learn a lot from dead people because they figure the shit out and then they die. But thankfully this fella wrote some stuff down. He said this, we are all just here walking each other home. Mm. We are all just here walking each other home. And I love that. There are some times where I will be the walker and sometimes where I will be the walkie. And our job, if you are questioning your purpose and passion in this life, let me remind you that we, we were never meant to do this alone. Your capacity to nod at somebody, your neighbor, buy the Starbucks guy behind you a coffee today, any of those things changes the trajectory of a life. Do you understand? Because we're wired for connection. So Joni's research is beautiful around that. She said, listen, you don't even have to like go to school to get good at being nice. We actually are wired to do that when we're filled up and acknowledged and regulated, right? When I look at cultures who've been through multiple generations of oppression, right? They're fucking mad because they should be. And when you acknowledge, when you say, tell me more, teach me. Holy, I never knew. Tell me. Regulation happens and we rise. You understand? It's a universal process that is centuries old because we're wired. This is a biological human existence that we're talking about. Joni, would you agree? Mm. So I was. It was interesting because this idea of common ground. When we hold ourselves sort of in this common space where we are, we are joined by common humanity. If we can use that as our common filter, and we can say, let's reach out to all of the people, all of our of our kin who are part of our human family and make sure that everybody is included in and uh, is treated fairly. That's a different message than saying, okay, I'm over here and you're over there and we got to fight each other to the death because, because one of them actually creates compassion and concern and empathy and the other one actually reduces the desire for connection and uh, common ground. Let me ask. So I spoke last night on the Make It Awkward. Sorry, Ryan. Just give me a second. Here. Yeah. Could you just take your turn? Uh, I'm just. I'm just kidding. 
I'm just joking. Oh, I love it. Last night I spoke on Jesse uh, Lipscomb's Make It Awkward stage, and there was an Indigenous um, leader who spoke a lot about the importance of considering everybody as family. That if you go back in all of our genealogies, we have a common ancestral experience. And when we think about that as everybody is our cousin, you have so much more skin in the game if you will, yeah? And it makes me understand that we are so much more alike than we are different, right, Joni? Like when I take it down, it is the the thing that I, the light in you acknowledges the light in me. I mean, think about it. There's no cultural practice that does not have some sense, no spiritual practice that does not have some sense of connection as the ultimate form of survival. Well, and unity is a goal. And, and that's it's super important right because because we want to be in like we said we want to be in connection and so how do we how do we amplify that i i want to yeah, I, I think the no go go, go ahead go ahead Jody, Ryan, take, i don't even know why I'm, Jody, Tag. why do why do i i keep wanting to 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 sort of offer these little tidbits and then i'm realizing all i'm doing is sticking a, a putting a stick into the spokes i should just Knock it off. So, Jody. You really should. I, I should. I, what am I even doing? No, you're amazing. You're amazing. What am I even doing here? Uh, but what I, what I want to ask you, with regards to takeaway here, I, I mean, I, I, this is like, I'm, I am scribbling down notes. This is for my, this isn't even for the interview. This is for my own personal improvement. I'm, I'm writing down, and I know that everybody at home is probably doing the same thing. Our, 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 our comment stream on YouTube, our Twitter thread, everybody's going nuts about this, and this is resonating with people. Let, let me really focus this in, though. Look at Sam Brooks is like taking, you know what I mean? Like, there's great value here. So I'm going to shut the hell up and get out of the way. But let me ask you. Okay. So specifically with, <laughs> Jody's like, okay, like any, any time, actually. Um, but, <laughs> you know, people are saying, people are writing into us saying like, you know, and, and People are kidding uh, mostly, but they're like, you know, the best part about being locked down, not being able to see my family at Christmas is not seeing my family at Christmas. Like nobody has to interact with the drunk uncle. Nobody has to listen to like the angry aunts takes on politics. Nobody has. You, you know what I mean? So but what I'm picking up from the two of you is that maybe we should be initiating this contact, Joni, and maybe we sh maybe we should be reaching out. Uh, whether it's Zoom or phone calls and, and reconciling, like like give us an assignment for the next two weeks. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. That's, that's, that's a fun offer. So there's a couple of thoughts I have. One is I think about calling people up rather than calling them out. That's a term that I've used. And there's, there's a, there's a phrase called, or there's a, there's a, a, a term called the, uh, the um, Pygmalion effect. And people rise up to the, to the expectation you have of them. And, and if, you know, if you come to people and you say, so for instance, I have four kids. And if I say to one of them, you know, this isn't like you, but you're, you're, you're a really kind kid and you're, but, but you did something that I didn't really see as being kind. What can you tell me what's going on? That's going to create a different kind of opportunity to converse. Yeah. And so there's a couple things that I can throw at you in terms of, uh, of assignments. And so one of them would be to like ask, ask really important questions. Like, tell me why you think this, not just don't give people a whole bunch of data telling them why they're wrong. Really ask them, why do you think this and what's behind it? Like, what are you most concerned about? What do you most care about? What are you most afraid about? What do you hope for out of this? That's going to give you a whole bunch of information that you can build on to, again, build the relationship. 
because that is what is going to enable us to have um, constructive conversations that are going to lead to aha moments. And the answer is usually probably somewhere in the middle. Let's face it. There's no such thing as black and white kind of answers these days. Um, so that would be one thing I would say. And the other thing that might surprise you is um, kind of offering up a bit of a opportunity to find a good something good to say about that person like i said you know you have always struck me as the kind of person who really cares about or really defends people or whatever the term is like find the good thing that you can then uh build on but if you start with a from the from a deficit point of view you're gonna you're gonna kind of wade into a ditch so start start here and then go up rather than here and go down your greatest human superpower is giving a compliment mm. it's free it require it pays no mind to race religion socioeconomic status or cognitive ability you give a compliment and watch the magic happen last time you've been out somewhere in edmonton alberta canada or calgary alberta canada and somebody comes up to you and says joni can i just tell you something i saw your son yesterday he's amazing he was so kind to my child, like the manners, mom. He's going somewhere. I don't know what you're doing, girl, but you're doing something right. What happens to you? Yeah. You want to make out with me. We don't even know each other. And you're like, I'm just kidding, but not really. But I do, I'm like, first of all, I want to check if you got my kid right, because generally I'm going to doubt that. You understand? I'm going to be like, are you sure we're talking about the same kid? Once I've established that it is my offspring, I now want you to come over for wine. Do you understand? Yeah. Watch the power. It's free. Uh -huh. Wave at your neighbor. If I can add one thing to a task that I want you to do over the holiday season, wave every time you get in your car at everybody you can. Wave at stoplights. Wave, make, be so nice people think you're drunk, okay? That is your job this holiday season. Be so nice, people think you're drunk, and you will create a ripple effect. Mother Teresa said this, you cast a stone. That is our only job right now. People are scared and disconnected and questioning everything uh, about the, the, the things that the world is telling us to do. You be so nice, people think you're drunk, and we will have healthy communities six months from now. Right? Amazing. Because we're fighting a virus, not each other, and that's my concern, not right now, what what we look like in six months from now? We're fighting a yeah, virus. The other thing that uh, not just one Sorry. second, lady. I got to jump in here. I know everybody hates me for doing it. Donald's mm -hmm. tweeting at us right now, and he's like, "Jasperson, less sticks in the spokes. Like, what are you doing?" Uh, he also goes on to say, "Listening to Joni Avram and and Jody Carrington on Real Talk, this is uh, Jasper's best segment yet." Says Donald. He says it's brilliantly insightful on the human condition and how we all seek community. And then again, he encourages me to get the hell out of the way. So I'm going to do that in just a second. Uh, I want to let you know that, that we're here to fight the virus, not one another. I'm going to talk about anti-maskers uh, and anti-vaxxers with these two in just a second. And there's an anti-mask take coming up in Trash Talk at the top of the clock. But right now, I want to remind you how grateful we are for the support of the team at Alta Storage. Alta Storage is a locally owned and locally operating moving and storage company that's got you covered regardless of if this is a temporary move, you're upsizing, downsizing, or a big corporate one, whatever. They've got you covered. They have these pod-style containers. I mean, if you've noticed, everybody's using them now. 
You give them a call. They determine what you need exactly. They'll drop it off at your place. You want workers to help you fill or unload whatever you're doing with that pod style container. They've got you covered there. Or you want to do the heavy lifting yourself, fine. They can move the pod, drop it off. Whatever your need is and you need some long-term storage or even short-term, they've got you covered. And those frog boxes, eco-friendly as well. Alta Storage is proud of their community connection. You can learn about learn more about what they're doing by calling them at 780-993-ALTA. Or check out the sponsors tab at ryanjesperson.com directly at altastorage.ca as well. Our thanks to them. Uh, Our guests here, this is an absolutely incredible segment and we're completely loving it as we welcome back uh, Joni Avram, who's a a professor, a marketing consultant. Uh, She describes herself, not my word, but yours, though I think it's a compliment, a nerd for behavioral science, a marketing lecturer at Ambrose University. And of course, Dr. Jody Carrington joining us, an author, a psychologist, a speaker, uh, the bestseller Kids These Days. Now, we're talking about where people are falling apart, where communication is breaking down. And and we can talk about politics all we want, but then there's also the real life, the rubber on the road stuff, the the, the family that says, I'm not going to vaccinate my kids because of, you know, whatever. Jenny, uh, you know, uh, McCarthy says that th- that I shouldn't. Or or the, the family that says we're not wearing masks. And not only that, they're not going to wear masks. They're going to go into businesses without masks and cause problems and, and cough on people intentionally and, and threaten people with violence. Um Now, we want to meet people in the middle. We want to use our human superpower of paying people compliments. But sometimes, frankly, we want to strangle people uh, based on their ignorance and stupidity. So is that my problem or theirs? Uh, Jody, you want to go first on this? Yeah, I I love it. And I think, first of all, what we want to do is just acknowledge how frustrating it can be. And I think part of the issue is everybody has a story. I often say this, I've assessed and treated over a thousand kids in this country and I've never not one time met a bad kid. Not one time. I've sat with people who later go to jail over the way that they treated their children. And I have never yet met somebody who doesn't have a very strong story. The more entrenched you are in a stance, there's a reason behind it. It does not mean that I'm going to support, believe, or condone your way of thinking, whether it's, you know, you and I are on two different sides of the fence when it comes to vaccines or masks. I want to seek first to understand. And that will be the hardest thing to do, depending on where my position is. If I'm super left and you're super right, being able to come together and have a conversation is going to be much more difficult if I am much more open to the way you think about things. Our job is to understand that empathy is not condoning or believing. It really is this capacity to say this. And, you know, Joni had talked about, um, you know, hold I, what I call holding space. How do I say these? These are the three words that allow me to hold space all the time. Tell me more. And I have to say, tell me more when I don't want to know more. Yeah. As a leader, I say these three words all the time. What am I missing? And I will tell you, if you are on my team, I'm a really good fucking leader. Like you, I am rarely wrong. I got a plan. I know where we're going. Don't ask my team that. But what what I what I ask all the time, particularly when I adamantly disagree with them or they have an opinion about something, this is when I know I have to ask that question the most. Okay, what am I missing? So what am ju- I missing? Ju- and I don't want to ask that question then. Tell me more. What am I missing? Those two things hold space. Doesn't mean I'm going to agree. Doesn't mean I'm going to go down that direction. Doesn't mean teach me how you got here to understand that when science explains that I can keep your baby alive, that you are not going to engage in that process. Help me understand. There's 
there is, there's, a, there's something there I need to know. There's something there I need to know. Tell me more. And that's this, that's, that's the power. But Professor yeah, Avram, I, I think yeah, I'd have a, I'd have oh, a tough okay. time doing that. I, I'm often accused of, 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 uh, of being a little bit, and I, and I always try to work on my communication, but I'm accused of being a little bit condescending in some circumstances where, where I might say, tell me more about why you believe you know more than the World Health Organization and Canada's chief medical officer of health. But I, I have a hard time asking that sincerely. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So this is this is this is the this is the definition of empathy. Sorry, Joni. This is the oh, definition but- of empathy. It requires you to suspend judgment temporarily. This is why people really suck at empathy. Yeah. We uh, we we assume that we're all really empathic individuals. It takes so much skill. You're not born with it. You cannot give away empathy if you've never received it. I need to learn how to do that. And if nobody's ever been kind to me, if nobody's ever looked at you, Ryan, and said, "Tell me more. Help me understand." Right, you ha- you're gonna have a hard time doing that. So I think that that's part of it. Is it it is actually suspending judgment so that you have access to the genuine teach me stuff, help me understand, and so that I can make a better decision about whether I'm with you or not. There's a couple of things I'll add to that. One is like humble is actually good. We often think of ourselves as having to be really strong and very forceful and opinionated because that then we're on the side of right and we're sh- we're proving we're right and. Uh, it actually, like we said, it, it actually backfires. Uh, there's two more things that I'll, I'll mention on this front. One is that we have a tendency to believe that there's one message that we have to keep beating people over the head with that will eventually convince them that we're right and they're wrong. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that the science is a thing, for instance. I, People know these things, they just don't necessarily believe them or value them in the same way others do. And so the point is to understand that there's this sort of this rainbow of values that people speak from and behave according to. And if you can provide multiple messages to multiple audiences that reflect this broad spectrum of values, then you're going to get people, first of all, much more engaged and much more willing to accept what you have to say. And and you're also going to get them less negative. And so the differential is quite high. That's number two. And there's one more thing, and then I'll, 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 I'll see the floor. But in some ways, so one of the things that I do as a practitioner is uh, a lot of public awareness campaigns. I've, I've done work in sexual harassment, sexual assault, um, doing various uh, domestic violence. And one of the things Hot that topics. We, one of the things we know about these these kinds of big scale behavior change problems is that if you want to change the problem, you don't showcase the bad behavior. You don't you don't amplify the bad behavior. You don't talk about the people who are getting it wrong. You don't you actually stop raising awareness about the problem and start raising awareness about the solution. And this is the game changer. If if any, I hope if your audience goes away with one thing today, that this will be it. That if we focus on modeling positive positive behavior, the people who are getting it right, the bright lights in our community, we're gonna build a groundswell of folks who wanna be like that rather than the opposite. I want to uh, you jump can't in. tell somebody how to do it. You gotta show them. Gotta I, show them. That you can't is, tell you, somebody. You can't tell somebody how to be anti-racist. You have to show them. Uh, you can't tell somebody to calm down. 
You got to show them. And that is the epitome of what Joni's saying. And when you lead by example, Ryan Jesperson, which you do a beautiful job of, you will have followers, right? And we misunderstand our capacity to be dictator-like, to be tell me more. And we misattribute that as softness. No, 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 motherfucker. I know exactly where I'm going with this, but I'm going to collect and then I'm going to direct. Right. On the- uh... And so this is- Sorry, Ryan. Sorry. I just like I just have to if if for no other reason that I it's so important to me that the two of you hear these comments because you're not I don't think you're reading our YouTube commentary as like no. YouTube you know what YouTube commentary usually is right it's talking it's 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 people making uh, death threats to politicians it's people asserting that like the moon landing didn't happen they're furthering QAnon theories like that's what happens on YouTube. Right. Not ours. Ours right now. Mike is right. Uh, Mike says, go home, Ryan. These two don't need you. Um, Sandra says, this is the best counseling session ever. Scarlett says, I see these ladies with besties t-shirts in the near future. Penny says, I'm saving this episode to watch later. Um, Joanne says, this is a segment to watch many, many times. We all need this type of a reset. Uh, Greg says, free counseling for all. Cindy says, this is awesome. Travis says, I feel like I should be paying $100 to be a part of this. He says, my marriage is going to be better for it. I mean, this is amazing. But Rose has a question. Rose says, what about people in your family that are not speaking to each other? She says, I stay out of it, but am I right to do that? Over to you, Jody. <laughs> oh, I'll take that ball. Thank you. Catch. <laughs> Here's the deal. The people who need it the most are the hardest to give it to. And the more invested I am in somebody, the harder it is for me to stay regulated. If I were to ask you, what was that woman's name, Ryan? Uh, That was Rose. So Rose, if I were to say to you, Rose, I'm having some trouble with my sister. My sister and my mom are not talking. What do I do? When it's somebody else's child, when it's somebody else's parents, we know the answers. In fact, we're so much better with that, with somebody else's child. Have you ever known this? I coach uh, minor hockey. And so when I walk into the dressing room in the morning to somebody else's eight, nine, 10 year old, and they're like, Coach Joni, I say, yes, sweetheart. Can you do all my skates? Yes, baby doll. Coach, yes, my love. Can I have a snack? And I'm in my purse giving ring pops and shit. I don't care, they're not my kid. My personal child, the reason I have volunteered to just frolic and make memories of my eight-year-old says to me, hey, mom, I say, what? Yeah. Because we are so much better with other people's children. So our capacity to look at our own family when they're getting dysregulated, when they are not being kind to each other, we can't tell them. It is not effective to say, stop being such a fucking bitch to to our mom. We can say, this is hard. Are you losing sleep over this? Because I bet mom is too. You know what I wish? I wish you you remember what it was like when we were remember when we went on that vacation and remember how many laughs we had with mom? I miss that mom. And I miss that sister. I don't know if we can get back there because there's a lot of stuff in the middle, but that's what I miss. Okay. We are all just here walking each other home. Yeah. And we get so dysregulated the more you mean to me, which is why we marriages fall apart. I would be such a good partner to all of my best friend's husbands. You understand? This is how affairs happen because we look at each other and go like, oh God, he's so nice. He also blows his nose like this. 
He also does all of those things. Do you understand? <laughs> but we are so much better with other people's husbands, spouses, kids, all the things because we have less skin in the game. And that, Rose, is what I want you to think about when you look at the people you love right now who are not getting along. It is not your job to fix it. I wonder about engaging in this process of, man, wouldn't, do you remember when? Yeah. Uh, that, and, and as Joni was saying, we're better than this in this family, right? Yeah, we're not we're telling them we're doing wrong. We, we want the same thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah, right? And so how do I identify? How do I see the light in you and mom and everybody who's not getting along and just wonder? I mean, maybe it's not possible. And for some people, it's not possible. Let's be clear, right? We talk about abuse survivors or domestic abuse survivors. I'm not saying, you know, you lean in and just be kind of find the good in everybody. No, there are take charge moments in this life where you say, this is not healthy for me. And so I think that take charge moment is far less, though, of a possibility than it is to lean in and hold emotion and wonder. We often jump to the take charge because we're like, fuck it, I got boundaries. But what we miss is the capacity to lean in and wonder if there's a possibility for repair. John Gottman, one of the most uh, famous marital researchers of all time, says this, it, it, the, the difference between couples who make it and couples that don't is not about how much you fight. It is your capacity to repair that predicts success in marriage. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people that uh, love each other like crazy and, and scrap all the time. And, and I can only imagine that their sex lives are phenomenal uh, if they can channel some of that energy. Uh, but I think that that's such a great point to make, Dr. Carrington. Professor Avram, I wanted to, I wanted to get back to some of the research that, that your study gleaned. Uh, when it comes to compromise and finding common ground, I'd rather have you put it in your own words than me and mine. But, but when it comes to people reaching out to one another and, and, and attempting to communicate in meaningful fashion, you know what I find as I'm reading through your report? And everybody can read this report online, and maybe you can tell us exactly where. But you asked males and females about compromise. And, and within a couple percentage points, almost the exact same results. You, you talk to people with high school education, trades education, like, like uh, you know, journeyman, uh, college, bachelor's degree, uh, you know, postgraduate, within a couple percentage points, just about the same, right? But then you look at age, and that's where you find the biggest difference. Younger people, less, uh, or they're prioritizing compromise, they're prioritizing it less than people, for example, 55 plus to whom it is much more important. Isn't that interesting? Everybody always talks about the crotchety old man screaming at the clouds, get off my lawn to the kids. But but really, your research shows it's actually quite the opposite. Yeah. The younger you are, the less, the more willing you are, the more you want to fight for your beliefs. You know, you have passion and and you think you're right. And and, you know, in your world, you have limited experience to understand that there are there, there are lots of nuances in the, in the, in the world that, that, that it's not as black and white as you might think. And the older you get, the, the more you realize, you know, the, the answer probably is somewhere in the middle. And also, I, I don't know if, if, if we're just, we have less energy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we're just like, I don't, I don't have the energy to fight with people. I just want to get along. And, and that, that notion is not only that we can get along, but we want to get along is super powerful for people because, uh, and, and, but the other thing about that report is that it, even among those, those subgroups, we found that the majority were, uh, were willing to find compromise. I think the only difference was in age. And so even when you were, you know, if you were even a far off, a, a, a kind of more identified with a conservative viewpoint or identified with a more 
progressive viewpoint, even those wings, those polarized wings said, on balance, we should be figuring this out. Jody, I'm just staying out of the way. No, go. <laughs> well, I okay, I want to ask you, can, with your permission, and, and I hope you say yes, because if you say no, what the hell am I going to do? But um, can we can we touch on your, your your personal journey over the past couple of weeks? Is that okay with your blessing? I would like to. Um, you yeah. were you were too sick to talk to people last week. You've you've just emerged from the, from COVID, uh, and and I'm, I'm we had an interesting conversation with uh, Dr. Peter Silverstone, a psychiatrist, and David Staples, a columnist with the the Edmonton Journal, uh, right before we talked to you two about the mental health effects of lockdowns, the mental health effects of of COVID nineteen. Uh, you're a mental health professional. You're also a COVID survivor. Uh, why don't you just take us into this? Yeah, I'd love to. So um, I think for me, since the beginning of COVID, I've uh, jumped on every morning and did a, um, a, a live on Facebook and Instagram to our community that uh, is just the most amazing people on the planet because I truly believe in this process that we're we're so disconnected. And so we're just walking each other home. We've taken as a company um, some serious you know, looks at not necessarily the ramifications of the physical virus, but what takes the emotional toll in four, five, six, seven months from now. So the more we stay connected now, we will ward off some of that disconnect. And then what happens is we have one of our marketing experts comes down, we do a meeting in our office. She has been exposed two days before. Uh, She tests positive and one of our teammates also tests positive. Our entire team of 13 take our babies. We all go get tested. Everybody's negative. We quarantine, my husband and I, and we own three children. and we're in quarantine for 11 days. We figure we got this kicked in the ass. We're like, really? I mean, who came up with 14 days in quarantine? I mean, I feel like we're there. Aaron gets sick at 11 days. That's my husband. Uh, he tells me, uh, I think I have COVID. I said, you, are you, stop being a baby, okay? You are fine, you got to, anyway, he tests positive. He gets quite ill. And three days after that, because of course, nobody now leaves the house, uh, our youngest son, our twin, uh, tests positive. Two days after that, uh, his twin sister spikes a fever. She tests positive. Every time somebody tests positive, your quarantine date extends by the the next 14 days. At this point, I was in quarantine for 31 fucking days with people I love the most. Now, they're delightful, (laughs) but no longer am I a fan. And then I get sick. So we have been to the Red Deer Testing Center 877 times. I drive into that freaking thing now, and they're like, hey! And I just know the drill. Ah, mm, get her done. So our son, uh, so I was at a quarantine on Monday, and our son, our our oldest son, is the only guy that hasn't got it. He's been in the house, so he's still he cannot go obviously back to school. Once you uh, um, recover from the virus, you are considered um, safe. And so all the other four of us are now back into reality. And our son, who's in grade five, uh, will not go back to school uh, prior to the Christmas break. He got tested again yesterday, has shown very few symptoms. And so I'd be shocked if he does test positive. Uh, It was scary and uh, disconnecting and so much shame that I don't think we're talking about nearly enough because when you have to make the phone call to the Olds minor hockey, when you have to make the phone call to Olds elementary and say, uh, guys, I think I need to tell you something. Um, we we might have been exposed an entire school. Uh, um, you have to quarantine. You have to stop your jobs. You have to do these things. The ramifications of our 
experiences in this process become really significant that I don't think we talk about enough. So then people stop talking about it. Uh, they stop suggesting that they might have symptoms. They stop wanting to get tested because of those ramifications. And so it's about this idea of normalizing that, that I think we've learned the most and um, we're all, yeah, it, it has been, it has been a fantastic journey. And can I tell you that the thing that came out of this the most is how much I love my community hmm. because I have now, I have 112 bottles of wine, uh, 67 casseroles, uh, four banana breads, like, People were phenomenal. Uh, Asher School, uh, every his teacher, Mrs. Morgan, had all 27 of his students, uh, his, his classmates make him cards. They arrived yesterday. I've never seen my son light up like that. So the, the kindness in uh, the whole process has been the thing that just stops me in my tracks. Uh, Professor Avram, I'd, lo- I'd love to give you, I mean, this is just, Jeez, I mean, we had high expectations for this hour, but this is when are when are we starting Psych Talk with Joni and Jody? Psych Talk with Joni and Jody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I that's, every, that's the every, new show. Every, every, we Joni. Well, we maybe we could just we could just we'll, call, we'll just call it Psych, and then yeah, but uh, but epiphanies of <laughs> epiphanies of Tiffany on YouTube says seriously, this should be a monthly segment. Um, we'll we'll pitch. We'll pitch the gals on that off camera, but but uh, Professor Avram, let me let me give you a chance to wrap. Uh, we, we, this hour has flown. We appreciate and value your time. Give us something to think about over these next few weeks. Well, I love the fact that this proves the point that all we have to do is talk about this stuff, and the the audience is getting energized and they're they're enthusiastic and their minds and hearts and bodies are changing, right? Like, I don't know about you, but if, if when I hear a a great story, I get all goosebumpy, my heart, my heart feels open. I, I like, I start to dance or skip. This is the world we want to live in. Don't we want to be joyful people who know how to get along and who love each other? Yes, we do. Um, and the other thing I would say, just as a, my, my starting point on this, and I know that a lot of your folks are on you know, Twitter or, or social, other social feeds, but you know, I think if we can start from the place of recognizing that the vast majority of us, of us are good people who do really care about one another, and we really do want to figure it out, that's going to change the way we talk to each other, not as bad people who need to be fixed, but good people who can get better. That's my close. Amazing. Jody, last word to you. I want to just remind uh, you, Ryan, that um, you're doing phenomenal work. And you're, it's the reason why this podcast is blowing up, uh, because you bring really important issues to people who need to hear it the most. And uh, it's, a lot, it's an honor to sit alongside you, Joni. I think that um, we're just walking each other home. And when we do good and be good, uh, this community, the, these communities where we're raising our babies and we will rise, we will be better because of this. I love it. Uh, just incredible. My, 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 uh, my thanks to the two of you. And, and I, I'm already looking for it. Sam's literally physically clapping at his desk. Um, you can read the comments later today. I encourage you when you share the YouTube link, this video, you'll be able to read what everybody's been saying. I'm going to read some after we let you go. I know the two of you have commitments, but a huge shout out to, to Professor Joni Avram uh, out of Ar- Ambrose University, a marketing lecturer there, a marketing consultant, a behavioral uh, scientist. And of course, Dr. Jody Carrington as well. Uh, want to encourage you to read her book uh, kids these days highly recommended a psychologist speaker and author obviously uh, happy holidays to the two of you and, and thank you so much from the bottom of my and the audience heart for this it was an incredible hour 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. Amazing. Uh, let me let me get to a, a couple of the comments here. Thanks so much uh, to our friends. Uh, you know, I mean, this is you know, uh, Tiffany says this whole panel made me want to really pick up the phone and and call my psychologist. You know, I mean, Jim says this easily is the best segment that you've ever had on the show. Uh, you know, Jonathan says, you know, heaven forbid we actually talk about things, right? Jonathan says, talk, listen, understand. Bravo. Uh, Sweet Tea says, uh, for the sake of Alberta's mental health, please make this a monthly segment. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, Chad with some insight here says the grief of admitting uh, that you may be exposed to COVID is really real. He says the first step of acceptance is denial right now. That step is really inconvenient because it's enabling more spread. That's an interesting insight there, isn't it? Um, you know, I mean, zigzag wanderer says, I really like uh, Jody's uh, ratio of wine to banana bread. You may have noticed it. I think it was 121 bottles of wine and four banana breads. Uh, I'm with you. I think that that's an appropriate ratio. Uh, others are just saying uh, Mike Peebles this morning says, what a great way to start my Friday. Uh, that was amazing. Angela says, this is literally the best talk radio and podcast discussion I've ever listened to. That from Angela. Thank you. I mean, I, I was just, I apologize that I kept jumping in to make observations. I should just get out. What we'll do is we'll just, we'll get Sam to custom make a, a, a split screen, uh, two v- views, and I can just get out. You and I could go, Sam, and grab breakfast burritos or something. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah, that's a good but, idea. But they're on YouTube, so we can take them with us, right? That's right. I still want to hear the conversation. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We'll still yeah. be, be uh, on our smartphones streaming live at ryanjesperson.com no problem there uh but we'll just make yeah we'll excuse ourselves want to pay a couple of bills and then you know what's coming up because it's 10 o'clock on a friday you know exactly what's coming up but first i wanted to give a huge shout out to the scene the team at st albert and sherwood dodge when the rubber hit the road on this show they were here supporting us as a matter of fact they were here ahead of that fact they were the very first sponsor on real talk and we're so grateful to them for that they've been in the game uh, when it comes to jeeps uh, in my mind uh, we're a jeep family we love jeeps they've got me in a 2020 grand cherokee right now i love it and sherwood and st albert dodge are your jeep centers when it comes to the province of alberta best selection best service and the best price you're going to find talk to scott and his teams at the brand new st albert dodge it's stunning and sherwood dodge which has probably more jeeps than anywhere else in canada you'll find them there we're also grateful for the support of the team at local waste this is a 30 second heads up to buckle up my friends you know the story about local waste 25 years in the game locally owned providing great local service direct customer service they give you their first name and their phone number and they're competing against the big faceless multinational garbage corporations that's local waste hey and on a side note if you're looking for a new entrepreneurial venture if you think that maybe there might be a chance or a window to bring local waste into your community give chris labossier a call at 780-242-9746 he is all ears of course local waste is the Weekly sponsor of a little something we call Trash Talk. All right, you get your email read on Trash Talk when you send us a gripe, a rant, or a rave to talk at ryanjesperson.com like Dave did. Dave said, hey, Ryan, I respect the no mask movement and their choice. What I ask them is, are you willing to sign a DNR document, a do not resuscitate, and carry it with you if you require hospital care? You don't want to wear a mask? 
fine, says Dave. I don't want my tax dollars going to your ventilator should you need it. Anti-maskers piss me off. But how do we challenge them, says Dave? You could use your show to bring light to the issue. Janine says, Jespo, thanks for the show. You know, I read this. uh, She said I was watching a TED Talk, and, and, and I was thinking on leadership that maybe our premier could learn to be a better true leader, not somebody always just defending his actions. Don't tell us how good you're doing. Just do it. She says, Natasha Kornack said it best on your show yesterday. He is calculated and methodical, but it feels like too much. This is not a game of survivor. Well, I guess it might be, said Janine. If only he'd show a little humility, it might go a long way. Mike says, I'm tired of our government constantly responding to criticism on its COVID response by outlining how many tests have been administered, how many masks they've supplied, and how we're the best at this and that. He said, we're like the worst in Canada right now. Imagine, says Dave, an NHL hockey team, this is Mike rather, NHL hockey team spending the most money that they can in the league on the best players, purchasing the nicest jerseys, constantly talking how great their team will be at the end of the season. When they're at the bottom of the standings, do they keep talking about that stuff? No, they've grossly underperformed. They adjust course. They make big changes. They don't celebrate being in last place. And here's my trash talk this week. Not so much trash talk as an encouragement to not waste an opportunity. It's crunch time. For those of you that haven't yet picked up that perfect gift, that wonderful expression of your love, admiration, or appreciation for somebody else, you're going to wait to the last minute like you always have. And then you're going to convince yourself the only way to get what you need quickly is by Amazon Prime or visiting the big box stores like Walmart. Local retailers are pulling out all the stops fighting to keep their heads above water and still delivering incredible service. Curbside pickup, delivery, same day or next. These are the ones that live and work and pay taxes in your community. These are the ones who've second mortgaged their home to keep their doors open. These are your neighbors and friends. Shop local and only local over the next few weeks. This has been another wildly entertaining edition of Trash Talk, presented by Local Waste! All right. Thanks to Sam for the calm fade down, which allows my heartbeat to return to a calm and measured 185 beats per minute. Joni Avram and Jody Carrington. Wow. Your, your air guitar gets a little smaller every week. Yeah, I keep getting yeah. criticized. They say, they say the neck of your guitar is way too long. I'm just going to go back to what I do best. I'm a very skilled air drummer. I'm a very skilled air drummer. I should be sticking to the drums. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> good God. Like, I have two pages, three, almost three pages of notes from this round table. Like, it's just, it's a little bit insane and, and like, didn't even get to a lot of the, the you know, the, I mean, what I think is really funny is we we explored so much on, on kind of the interpersonal coming together and interpersonal finding common ground and, and just had two wildly entertaining guests on talking about it as well. Like, we're definitely going to have to have them back. But, uh, you know, and we didn't really even scratch the surface on, you know, like wider political discourse and wider political disagreements and how unbelievably sort of like polarized and entrenched we are because, you know, we're, we're starting to focus on kind of the personal relationships around us and, and how we make those better. So I'm just excited for this conversation to keep continuing. I totally agree. This is like, a, a, keep continuing. You're right. It's like this gave us the jumping off point to now take this and apply to our lives, right? You, you can hear what Trash Talk does to my voice. 
always, this is like, I feel like I'm working an Oilers game that there's a reason why the t-shirt toss is my last obligation of the game. It's because I'm useless for like an hour afterward. But Greg, uh, I need more hot takes teed up on, on Fridays just to give you some breathing time yeah. after trash talk. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Greg here says, I feel great getting on with my day now. Uh, isn't that amazing, right? Um, you know, this is just like, I, I'm just going to sit here and when, when we go off air, I mean, Genevieve's listening and she says, or watching, I should say, she says we, we would need everybody to be watching this show. I mean, those amazing women, we got to make this thing happen, you know, so let's make sure to share the video for today. And we want to let you know and remind you that that each and every day we uh, take, uh, Sam does an amazing job. We pull clips uh, like, you know, the t- Twitter lets us post what, two minutes, 20 seconds, I think, uh, two minutes and 20 seconds. So we'll pull, you know, two minutes out of a, in this case, a 60 minute interview. Um, when I tweet that out, it's like, Hey, here's the two minutes to grab you. I mean, if you watch this, you, the things, the conversation sells itself. Um, in some other circumstances, we try to be fair to the guest and, and say, here, here's two minutes of, of what they teed up, but here's the link where you can watch the entire interview. I agree with those of you that are saying everybody needs to hear that segment. Everybody needs to watch that hour. So keep in mind, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can, uh, on a side note, of course, make sure you subscribe to our podcast as well. Uh, we heard from Podboard again yesterday. We're back to number one in Canada. We're Canada's most downloaded daily podcast, the number one in the country which is absolutely incredible and that's because of you our loyal supporters and many of you also having our backs on patreon uh, we really appreciate that if you go check out ryanjesperson.com you can find the link to our patreon if you want to support us five bucks a month it allows us ultimately we're going to hire somebody else as soon as possible we're making improvements to our studio this show is growing because you are joining us on our journey you're also going to find a link on our website to our question of the week this is powered by the official research and strategy partner of real talk that's y station and it's simple we're building a real talk panel now your obligation is is next to nothing every week we're just going to ask you to answer our question of the week and and tell us a bit about yourself it helps us understand who's listening to the show it helps us understand the perspectives that you have and it helps us understand the information or the subject matter that you would like to see discussed here Now, I've been in media, I've been in live television and radio for 15 years, and I've heard it time and time again. The content here is obtuse. The content is ignoring the reality. The content does not reflect the audience. The content is not on par with what people actually think and feel. Well, here's your chance to make sure that's not the case on Real Talk. We want to know what makes you tick. We want to know what you care about. So, quite frankly, to put it harshly, with a smile on my face, if you're not having or hearing your views represented on the show, do something about it. Check out RyanJesperson.com and make sure you answer our question of the week. We wanted to sign off today with a couple more shouts out to our sponsors. And this, one of our favorites, and not just because he showed up last week with two huge growlers and a flat of beer. It's also because this guy is the epitome of small business. Todd's Mechanical moved from a career in the oil field to wanting to spend more time at home with his young family. So he's staying home full-time, in the city, I mean, and he's committed to becoming Edmonton best plumber if you check out his online ratings and customer reviews he's well on his way so he's keeping Edmonton warm and dry and just because it's like three degrees across most of Alberta right now doesn't mean your furnace isn't going to wait until it's minus 25 to conk out so you're hearing that noise it's making give Todd's mechanical a call get it fixed before your house 
interior temperature starts to plummet, you can call Todd's Mechanical today at 780-499-7598 or write that number down for the next time that you're going to need plumbing or mechanical work done. And we'll sign off today with a reminder that Friesen Brothers and its team of Red Seal chefs, uh, 14 locations across Alberta, 15 soon to open just off the Anthony Henday and Rabbit Hill Road here in Edmonton. If you're envisioning this Christmas as completely different for obvious reasons, why not keep that as the theme and leave the turkey and the veggies and all that prep work to somebody else? The Red Seal chefs at Friesen Brothers want you to invest in the traditions at home and they'll do all the heavy lifting. Just give the team at Friesen Brothers a call to make those arrangements. Friesen Brothers is Alberta grown and Alberta owned. As mentioned, we'll break for the weekend. We encourage you to have a wonderful weekend yourselves. And when it comes to next week, we're very excited about some of the conversations we're going to have, including, as we broke the news this morning, a conversation down under, sorry, with Dr. Stephen Duckett, who will evaluate Australia's COVID response and his over there. We'll talk to you again Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. Mountain Time. Go